I'm Sarah Cunniff, a partner in the Asset Management and Investment Funds Group here in Arthur Cox, and this is our new podcast series, which we hope you'll find useful. You may know that we initiated at the start of the lockdown in March 2020, regular webinars to keep in touch with our clients, the director community and our contacts. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you with these updates in a revised format. So what we've done here is to provide an extract of the recording of a specific webinar on Irish Investment Limited Partnerships, which was broadcast on the 15th of January 2021, and in which my colleagues Dara Harrington and Ian Dillon participated. Of course, there have been some developments since that webinar was broadcast, and so at the end of the podcast, I'll be joined by one of my partners, Tara O'Reilly, and she'll provide some detail on what has been happening since the time the webinar was first broadcast. In December 2020, amendments to the Irish Investment Limited Partnerships legislation were enacted to reflect changes needed to update this legislation with features in other Irish fund structures, such as the ICAV. The aim is for the Irish Investment Limited Partnership structure to be the preferred vehicle for EU investment funds structured as partnerships. The Irish Investment Limited Partnership structure isn't new. It's been in existence since the introduction of the Irish Investment Limited Partnership legislation in 1994. Today, we're going to discuss the amendments made to that legislation in the 2020 amending legislation. But before we do that, perhaps Ian, you could let us know what the 1994 legislation provided for. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Um, And good afternoon to everybody who's joining us. Um, So many of you will be aware of the numerous unregulated partnership structures that are used in fund vehicles, and they come from uh, places like the Cayman Islands, the Delaware Partnership, the English Partnerships. And of course, we have our own unregulated limited partnership structure created under the 1907 Limited Partnership Act, which we continue to use to great effect today, but which can have certain limitations when you're looking to create a fund structure to access uh, European investor markets. So the investment Limited Partnership Act of 1994 was designed specifically to provide for the establishment of a regulated investment limited partnership structure. So an ILP authorized under the ILP Act of 94 can be used as a structure for an alternative investment fund in AFE. And in Ireland, that's most typically the QAFE. Then, just as for other QAFEs, an ILP appoints a manager or AFM authorized under AFMD. And then that can be marketed throughout the EU under the AFMD marketing passport and also has the benefit of investor protection features provided under AIFMD. Ian, could you explain the background to and the history of the enhancements made to the existing legislation, which are introduced by the amending legislation that came into effect in December 2020? Sure, Sarah. So the amendments in the Act reflect changes that were needed to update the uh, Irish Investment Limited Partnership legislation with features that are common in other Irish structures, such as the ICAF. Now, the aim behind this legislation is really for the Irish ILP structure to be the preferred vehicle for EU investment funds structured as partnerships. Now, Dara will talk uh, in a little more detail shortly on the main enhancements that are brought about by this amending legislation, but I think it's probably worth a quick review of the history of these changes. So traditionally, the Irish Investment Limited Partnership created under the 94 Act has not been a popular vehicle for Irish fund structures, and there's really very few have ever been authorised. 
for some considerable time then, industry has been lobbying successive governments to modernize that legislation and bring it into line with the partnership structure used by many global asset managers who frequently operate in Ireland, but who either could not or would not avail of the old structure because of what they saw as deficiencies in the legislation. So from that perspective, this legislation amending the Irish Investment Limited Partnership Structure has been some time in the coming and is obviously very welcome. So in June 2019, then, this, this process really started in earnest when the then Irish government introduced a bill to amend the updated, uh, and update the existing legislation governing ILPs in Ireland. Now, that bill then didn't go through in that session and lapsed on the dissolution of the previous government. So finally, then, in September 2020, the Minister for Finance announced the publication of the Investment Limited Partnerships Amendment Bill 2020, which then was finally enacted on the 23rd of December 2020. And that's what we're discussing today. Now, I should point out that all of this has come about really due in, in no small part to the massive efforts of the Irish funds industry in consulting on the legislation throughout the process. The amended ILP legislation will modernise the Irish Investment Limited Partnership structure and finally bring it into line with comparable partnership vehicles in other leading jurisdictions with common law partnership structures such as Cayman, Delaware and the UK. So what's the aim or the purpose of the Irish Limited Partnerships Amendment Act 2020? Yeah, so, so as we said, the aim is to enhance the attractiveness of the ILP structure for private fund managers, really, and, and investors. So many of you will be aware, Ireland continues to see significant growth in the establishment of corporate fund structures used by private equity and private debt managers. And it's increasingly becoming a jurisdiction of choice for accessing the EU markets for the creation of such vehicles. But we haven't had the partnership structure to go along with that. So now the modernised ILP can be structured to suit all major investment strategies, and it's a suitable vehicle for all types of private fund or real asset strategies, such as private equity, private debt, um, real estate and venture capital, infrastructure funds, sustainable finance, credit and loan origination. And indeed, hedge fund managers who may traditionally have preferred a partnership structure will also find the Irish ILP an attractive vehicle. Okay, so let's go back to basics. Dara, perhaps you could explain what is an investment limited partnership? Sure, Sarah. So an investment limited partnership it's a partnership tailored for, for investment funds and it's a common law vehicle, which is obviously important when, you know, US, UK and other common law jurisdictions are, are, are looking at establishing partnership vehicles. While it is possible to establish a private fund in Ireland as a corporate structure, such as an ICAV or an investment company, or indeed as a non-corporate unit trust or common contractual fund, it's sometimes challenging to, to replicate the typical features of partnerships, such as waterfall, carry, stage investing, and excuse and exclude arrangements. And so as a result, investors and managers of private funds often prefer a limited partnership structure. Can you explain, Dara, what are the main features of an investment limited partnership under the Investment Limited Partnership Act? Of course, it's constituted like any partnership really pursuant to uh, a limited partnership agreement that's entered into by a general partner and, and any number of, of limited partners. The ILP does not have separate legal personality and so it acts through its general partner which is ultimately liable for all debts and obligations of the ILP. All of the assets and liabilities of the ILP belong jointly to the partners in the proportions agreed in the partnership agreement. There are no restrictions on the number of limited partners that may be admitted to an ILP and the liability of, of any one LP is generally limited to the amount of capital contributed or committed to be contributed by, by that LP. 
significantly from a manager and investor preference perspective, the ILP is tax transparent. So we mentioned that the Irish Investment Limited Partnership is likely to be established as a quaif. Can you explain the form the ILP fund will take, Dara? Yeah, so uh, as you say, it, 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 it's an eighth. It, it is authorised by the, the central bank. And so typically will be authorised as, as a qualifying investor alternative investment fund or quaif. This will mean that it can avail of the central bank's 24-hour approval process, which is very important from a speed to market perspective. Um, investors in the ILP will need to meet the qualifying investor criteria. In other words, that they're a professional client under MIFID or belong to another category of sophisticated investor. And they'll have to commit to contribute a minimum amount of 100,000 euro into the fund. ILPs established as quaifs have no material investment restrictions and generally no borrowing or leverage limits subject, of course, to appropriate disclosure in the PPM or other offer document. They are not subject to statutory risk spreading obligations, which will make them attractive for single asset funds and or funds with very concentrated portfolios, whether as part of a ramp up period or a longer term investment strategy. They will also have access to the full range of liquidity options available to Irish funds so they can be structured as open ended limited liquidity or closed ended funds. If the general partner manages the business of the partnership, does the general partner of an investment limited partnership need to be separately authorised by the central bank as an AFE management company? And Ian, I wonder if you might address that. So in short, no, they don't. So the general partner must be supervised by the central bank as a general partner. And we'll touch on some helpful guidance on that now in a minute. But, um, or it may be authorised by the central bank as an AFM or it can avail of the right to manage an AFM on a cross-border basis under AIFMD. Our firm expectation, however, is that managers will always form new entities with the sole purpose to serve as the GP, and we would be very surprised to see any of them use an AFM entity to do so. The unlimited liability aspects of serving as a general partner are, are really likely to be very unattractive to AFMs, particularly those that might serve as, as an AFM for a number of funds in a manager's portfolio. They'll have staff and day-to-day and -day operations, which they'll want to protect. Now, the general partner of an ILP does not require separate authorization as an AFM management company, according to the central bank's recently updated Q&A on AIFMD, provided that that GP appoints an AFM. And that's the route we firmly expect to be taken. Now, the general partner does have statutory functions relating to its authority to conduct the business of the ILP. And it is a regulated financial service provider, meaning that the directors will have to be approved by the central bank under its fitness and probity regime, but it won't require a separate authorization by the central bank. Let's now move on to consider the main changes introduced by the Act. Dara, can you give us a high level overview of the main changes? Sure, Sarah. So the main changes, um, in, in our view, really relate to the, the possibility of establishing ILPs as umbrella structures, um, the, the broadening of the safe harbours available to, to limited partners, and then a very welcome streamlining of the procedure to amend the limited partnership agreement. So let's deal with each of these in turn. Can you explain the Umbrella Investment Limited Partnerships Amendment? Sure, we think this is a very positive development. So the Act introduces the possibility of establishing um, umbrella ILPs. 
And these would be divided into compartments or subfunds with segregated liability between the subfunds. The umbrella structure um, is attractive because it allows separate strategies or investor types to be accommodated in different subfunds of the same umbrella rather than having to establish standalone partnerships for each. This change, of course, brings the ILP into line with other types of Irish regulated funds, such as ICAVs, you know, trust CCFs, and so is a, a tried and tested structure. And typically, if a limited partner took part in the management of an investment limited partnership, the limited partner lost the benefit of limited liability. And so the Act introduces amendments to seek to address this. Could you explain those changes, Dareth, please? No problem. So, so the, the Act clarifies and broadens those safe harbours, as you say, and it, it will thereby allow LPs to undertake certain actions without being deemed to take part in the management of the ILP and thereby lose their, their limited liability status. Um, the, the changes allow an LP to sit on advisory committees and to discharge their functions as members of advisory committees. Um, also uh, approve changes to the limited partnership agreement without losing their limited liability status. And the Act also facilitates amendments to the limited partnership agreement. How are these addressed? Yes, it, it removes the requirement for uh, unanimous written approval by all partners for any amendment to the LPA. Instead, such an amendment will require approval by a majority of the GPs and a majority of LPs. So that's, that's a, a welcome streamlining of the process. The Act will also allow for certain amendments to proceed without LP approval, where the depository certifies that the changes do not prejudice the interests of LPs. And this replicates the position on changing constitutional documents for ICAVs and unit trusts. In addition, in line with partnership structures in other jurisdictions, the Act allows for the LPA itself to make specific provision as to what constitutes a quote-unquote majority of limited partners. So, for example, a majority by value, by number or by class. And there are three additional things addressed in the Act. Um, Ian, perhaps you can explain those changes. Yeah, sure. So, so obviously, in addition to those sort of core ones that Dara's gone through, there are a number of other kind of technical amendments which, which are important for the ILP. So um, one of those that they've dealt with is in relation to withdrawals or redemptions by investors. So the Act streamlines the process for the contribution and withdrawal of capital to and from ILPs and aligns that process with that applicable to other Irish fund structures and partnership structures we see in other jurisdictions. So that's been helpful. And um, the Act also allows for the migration of partnerships. So it provides for the migration in and migration out of Ireland uh, by ILPs by way of continuation in the partnership structure. Uh, and that process mirrors what we would see as a transfer by continuation, both in the Companies Act 2014 and the ICAV Act for other types of investment funds. So again, very helpful change. Now in particular, this change will allow for certain existing partnership structures in other jurisdictions to migrate to Ireland in advance of terminating in their country of origin. So that's going to be very helpful. Um, also then, the, uh, the Act does provide for the substitution of a general partner by a statutory novation of assets and liabilities. And that'll certainly simplify the administration involved in any change of a general partner. And certain other changes are addressed in the Act, which are not related to investment limited partnerships. So could you explain, Ian, the amendments to the ICAV Act, which are contained in this amending legislation? Yeah, so, so very helpfully, whilst dealing with the investment fund legislation, um, the, the change um, in the, 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 the amendments to the ILP 94 Act also makes some technical amendments to the ICAV Act of 2015 to enhance the efficiency of the ICAV structure 
and, and really particularly to align that ICAV Act with certain provisions in the Companies Act of 2014. Now, there's quite a few kind of fairly minor changes in there, all relatively technical in nature, but um, just in terms of sort of summarizing them, some of the changes include provisions to provide uh, specifically for subfund and class voting provisions. Um, there's a piece in there about referring to the objects uh, of a usage, so changing some of the rules around the objects clause of an ICAV. Um, a provision to ensure that an ICAV's capacity is not limited solely by the provisions of its instrument. There are provisions relating to written resolutions, intra-group transactions, and various other technical amendments relating to the provisions on seals, name changes, priority of charges, and, and other ancillary matters. And the other changes relate to the beneficial ownership requirements for investment limited partnerships and common contractual funds, which are to become effective on the 1st of March 2021. So Tara, could you explain these changes? Sure. So the EU's fourth AML directive for MLD, everyone will be familiar with it at this stage, introduced requirements for certain entities to compile a register of their beneficial owners and investment funds are within the scope of this requirement. In short, an individual who owns or controls directly or indirectly more than 25% of the capital or voting rights of an entity is a beneficial owner and must be identified on a public register. Th these requirements have already been provided for in legislation affecting investment companies, ICAVs and unit trusts, and the ILP Act now extends such requirements around beneficial ownership to ILPs and common contractual funds, CCFs. The Act will require the, the GP of an ILP and the management company of a CCF to establish and maintain a register of beneficial ownership of the fund and then to submit certain beneficial ownership information to the central bank for inclusion on the central bank's central register of beneficial ownership. There are other regulatory changes expected in the light of this amending legislation relating to investment limited partnerships. Dara, can you explain these? Sure, so some very, very positive changes on, on this front are on the horizon. So since ILPs are, as we mentioned, regulated by the central bank, guidance was sought by industry in relation to certain provisions of the central bank's existing AFE rulebook in order to facilitate the amendments made under the, the ILP Act and also to clarify provisions relating to closed-ended funds more generally. So on the 22nd of November of last year, the central bank published a consultation on guidance in relation to the scope of permissible features for share classes of closed-ended funds, which generally use private equity type strategies or invest in illiquid assets. The proposals included in the guidance will involve permitting a fund to issue shares or other interests at a price other than NAV without central bank approval. They'll also set out the conditions applicable to the use of excuse provisions, which enable an investor to be excused from an investment that the fund proposes to make and exclude provisions which permits the fund to exclude an investor from a proposed investment that the fund proposes to make. The guidance will also look to permit new investors to acquire shares or other interests in the fund at a later stage in its life cycle, so-called stage investing, and will also allow the establishment of management or carry classes, which permit portfolio managers of a fund to participate on a differentiated basis from other investors in the investment performance of the fund to reflect a, a predetermined fee arrangement or a capital payout that is not pro rata. This guidance once adopted will be reflected in the central bank's regulatory framework for AFES, thereby facilitating the changes introduced under the new ILP regime. However, it is worth noting that although the proposed amendments are being introduced on foot of those ILP regime changes, 
the guidance extends to all closed-ended fund structures and not simply ILPs. It's expected that the guidance will be introduced shortly and that the legislation is to become effective on the 1st of February, thereby paving the way for managers to establish ILPs and other forms of private funds in the coming months. Thanks very much, Dara. So we've come to the end of our presentation, but I noticed a question has come in about um, with the enhancements made to the existing legislation and the proposed new guidance from the central bank, uh, the question relates to whether we expect interest in the new form of investment limited partnership uh, to arise, given the fact that so few had been established to date. So I wonder, Ian, if you might answer that question. Yeah, sure, Sarah. Um, so, and I actually see there's a few questions in there um, about the attractiveness of, of, of the, the, the new product. So as we mentioned at the start of the session, so these, these changes have been a long time in the making. So um, there are a lot of private equity and private credit managers that we work with that have had their eyes on this product for some time. I think from that perspective, we certainly expect a fair amount of the pent-up demand to translate into new ILPs over the coming months. Now, in addition, um, when it became clear that the passing of the legislation was imminent, some managers took the decision to be first movers in this space. So we're actually working on some live examples at the moment so that we hope uh, we hope these will launch very quickly. And so in that regard, I have to say that the, the, the recent piece of information we received that the commencement date should be the 1st of February, that's, that's pretty welcome news. And, and we'd expect to be engaging with the regulator on these authorizations shortly. And that'll certainly give us a, a really good sense of what to expect from that process in launching these products. Now, I see one of the questions asked there was whether or not we would expect existing Irish product to, to convert to ILPs. And I have to say, I think on that front, we probably would not expect to see that. Most of these products are closed ended and are, are not obviously launched. So it, it would be unlikely that existing product lines would, would then seek to convert, we think. Um, however, what we would certainly expect is that a lot of the follow on funds or, or other funds in a series may go from, from whatever existing structure they are now, hopefully into, a, into an Irish ILP. I hope you found that discussion useful. As I mentioned at the start of this podcast, the webinar was recorded soon after the amending legislation was implemented and things have moved on since then. So Tara is going to mention some of these in particular. Thanks, Sarah, for inviting me to discuss what's happened with regard to Irish Investment Limited Partnerships since the webinar issued in January 21. Just two things to note in particular. First, the central bank issued the changes to the AFE regulatory framework, which were discussed in the webinar, and which include features for private equity type strategies or proposed investments in illiquid assets. Secondly, we've now established a new investment limited partnership, and we're aware that one other has been authorised by the central bank. Many thanks for that update, Tara, and thanks also to our listeners to this podcast today. We hope you found it useful. If you have any questions on anything that we discussed in this podcast or the webinar or any particular issue about the use of Irish Investment Limited Partnerships that you'd like to hear more about, please feel free to contact Tara or me. Once again, thank you for listening and goodbye for now. And please do listen to our next podcast on SFDR. Mm-hmm.